Hello, and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, proudly presented by Roast House Pub, where elevated culinary creations meet a fresh, evolving craft beer selection, making it one of Frederick's unique dining destinations. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Chris Sands, and this week we are joined by Matthew Flisher, one of the founders of the Other Side Beverage Project. That's the correct full name, right? That is correct. Yes, sir. I actually, I, I really like that name. It makes it sound so, uh, like almost, um, like black ops kind of. Well, it was right. I mean, when we started talking about doing this thing, it was something different than distributors have been previously and previously known about. So, you know, it, we, when we added that project and that was my partner, Sean, who said, you know, I think that we should add this beverage project to it. It really clicked home and said, Hey, you know, this is something different than everybody's taken before. Um, so actually let's, let's start out with uh, a little bit about your background. Um, what were you doing before you decided to open up, um, a beer distributor? Well, I guess that kind of takes it a little far back, but, uh, you know, I got out of college and 21 years old and. Oh, that's right. Cause you, you wow. came from from a beer distributor previously, right? I did. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, sent out my resume, like every other college grad had no idea what I wanted to do. And the first person to reply back was legends and said they wanted to bring me in for an interview. I asked what they did. They said, sell beer when I was 21, getting out of college. Said, hey, <laughs> that sounds cool. So, uh, hired on the spot and started with legends and, and work with them for 10 years. So, um, this is really the only thing I've ever known. And I tried some other things. I tried to do some exporting and importing and it, it never really panned out. And, uh, you know, was, like I said, the only thing I ever knew was distribution and local distribution. And as, as all these breweries and all these other alcohol related businesses start, right. It was drunk on a, on a, on a, curb outside of Reynolds Tavern in Annapolis that Sean and I started kicking around the idea of, Hey, what if, could we start a distributor? Is this a reality? Like, you know, is it possible? And, uh, you know, here, here we lie now. I can't remember how many are, are there two or there are three founders? There's three of us. Okay. So it's, uh, Sean who worked for legends for a long time and then went and, uh, worked with RAR and was the director of sales at RAR. Uh, and then my brother, Andrew, who did finance his whole life. And I think that's why, you know, when we brought our partnership together, it's very unique because we all kind of, I mean, Sean and I come from similar backgrounds, but different ideas of backgrounds. And Andrew really comes from a completely different background than Sean and I. And that kind of makes us, as they say, that three headed monster. And we look at things differently. And I think that's what has allowed us to excel is it's not just one minded, one focused, one path. We all come together and, and bring each different skills to the table, which allows us to succeed quickly. And it seems like, especially in the brewery realm, that a lot of the very successful breweries have someone on the founding in the founding group that was in finance. Like <laughs> give it like everyone romanticizes the idea of uh, brewing beer and running a brewery without thinking about that. Really 80% of it is running a business, not just making the beer. 
Yeah, exactly. And with Sean and I, we we are always on the same page mentally as and about our ideas and everything. And sometimes we got to be reeled back and say, hey, that's not a smart business move, but we're the dreamers. And I say to people all the time, you know, if it was up to me, I would have been out there driving a Porsche and we would have had brand new trucks and everything like that the first year, but that's not realistic. So we needed somebody to ground us. And that's where Andrew comes in. Trust yeah. me, he, <laughs> he, he reels everybody in all the time, but you need that or you'll just spend yourself into massive debt. And, and that's one of the reasons that we went into Delaware to begin with as well. And Sean lives in Delaware and knew the Delaware market very well and said, hey, there's nobody like this in Delaware. It's just the big distributors and we have brands that we can get and go there and start small and not have to take these massive loans and we can do one truck and one driver and one you know warehouse and all that. And then the plan was to go into Maryland within the first year or two and we did it in six months. So got <laughs> <laughs> went a little quicker than we had imagined, but you know, here we are. So when did... Um you're really new, right? So we started in Delaware of March of 19 and then we were approved and got our warehouse in Maryland and our license in Maryland in November of, uh, 19. Okay, so, so yes, very, very, very new. Yes, <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. And you start talking about distributors that have been around for 50 years, this is only a couple of months. And we say that all the time with people. Hey, we didn't own businesses before or anything. We wanted to take a swing at this and say, I think we can do it. Let's take a chance. And, you know, not a lot of people take a chance on doing something like that. So what it, the, did the idea came from you and Sean and then you recruited your brother? Well, you know, how many of these ideas get kicked around on a daily basis, right? Yeah. So we've said all kinds of things all the time. And we knew we always wanted to start businesses, but we were never. And that's where it goes back to the importing and exporting. You kind of try these things and you're like, ah, you know, I don't really know that much about this. And it all came back to what do we know? What, what, what can we be for certain if we take a risk and start a business that we have knowledge about? And that's where I said, you know, you're drunk on a curb and you start going, I think we can do this. I know and about beer. Andrew, <laughs> yeah. And, and with Andrew, we, we needed somebody like that. And he would have excelled in his career with Morgan Stanley and all these private equity firms as well. Well, we kind of said, Hey, you know, Sean, you and I got this idea of beer, but, we need somebody to again reel us in yeah. and and so that's where andrew came in he was always a, a you know an idea and a part of it but he came from a totally different background so neither none of us had the idea to start a distributor it just kind of all came together at okay. once um so obviously you're bringing experience in distribution so you understand that um sean had how how, how long was he working at legends before he went to to so he started he started a year after me and then uh, became an area sales manager and then rer recruited him and we always you know clicked very well and worked very well together and always said hey you know we want to continue to work together when he went to rer it was you know kind of man, we really want to work together again. How do we do this? So then it became very unique with his position as well, because he knows so much about the brewery inner workings. And he is to credit 
everything that, you know, going out and getting these breweries that are up and coming and, and hard to seek out and everything, that is what Sean knows very well right now. And, you know, he's to credit for all of these breweries that we're getting. Yeah. So he knows, um, well, I guess from being on the other side of the table, it, it, he knows how to make the pitch <laughs> to well, successfully and the, in the, the inner workings of the breweries as well saying, Hey, you, you know, this is how you turn your tanks and this is what it'll cost and everything like that. He really knows that side. And I say it all the time. I don't try to uh, pretend like I know stuff about, you know, items that I don't. And that's, he really brings that to the table when talking to these breweries, he knows how they work. Well, that makes sense. Like having that knowledge of where the brewery's coming from, how their operations work, you helps you position the value add to them even more. Sure. Uh, that makes sense. Um, and I get, I'm assuming Sean having been like the type of brewery that RAR is, he probably made a lot of great connections with the type of breweries that you've been going after to, and we took that from the people that were approaching RAR as well. And that's what we were talking about when, when he was still there is that there's this great opportunity out there where, you know, somebody in a, in a different state may not know and hear about how great this brewery is because they don't get outside of that state. Well, why don't they get outside of that state? Maybe they just don't get approached. And that's when we started taking that opportunity and saying, Hey, you know, you guys are trying to grow and you may be taking on that extra capacity. Well, we can move it and we take care of it and we care about the beer. And I think that's, you know, something that legends really taught me and Sean as well is that we wanted to, and, and that's a big thing behind our name. We wanted to be these partners that were great on every side with the consumer, with the retailer, with the brewery and, and, that's the biggest thing about us is that we really get along with all of our partners and that makes it the best business relationship that you can have. Right. Everybody's excited. Everybody's having fun. Everybody's trying to grow. Yeah. It's, it's not the, um, adversarial relationship that some breweries at least perce perceived have with their distributor. Sure. And, and, you know, sometimes that happens over time with whoever you, you, you may be, whether you're friends with everybody in small or big and push people around business relationships are always going to be tough, but we've really tried to, and sometimes at fault of ourself, be a, the, the best partner that we can be. And I think that even breweries from out of state that we didn't know prior, like the in-state breweries, we had a relationship, you know, we were high-fiving them and having fun before, but these out-of-state breweries kind of take a risk on us and, and say, Hey, you know, just like you said, you guys are six months old. Is that risky? Yeah. But once they get to know us and once they get in front of them, they say, Hey, I like what you guys are thinking. I like your idea. I, you know, where is craft beer going? Let's partner. And, and that's where we've become, you know, semi-successful in the past year. Hey, let's take um, a real quick sponsor break. And then I want to like, 
roll back time a little bit and talk more about, um, actually, I mean, talk about six months ago, the very beginnings. So we'll, we'll be right back. Uncapped is brought to you by one of Frederick's original Maryland craft beer destinations located off of Urbana Pike, featuring a warm, inviting atmosphere and knowledgeable staff serving up fresh, locally sourced culinary creations and unique craft beers on tap. Open seven days a week, our friends at Roast House Pub invite you to enjoy a casual lunch, happy hour specials, delicious dinners, and specialty desserts. Follow them on social media to keep up to date on their monthly beer dinners, mom's spaghetti dinner battles, and what beer is being featured for Buck Above Monday. Idiom Brewing Company proudly offers a delicious variety of beers to satisfy the most discerning tastes. Best known for their wide array of IPAs, delicious fruited sours, and robust porters and stouts, Idiom has a simple goal in mind, to bring people from all walks of life together, to enjoy themselves and each other. Whether you're a hophead looking for explosively juicy IPAs, are one of the adventurous few looking to try boozy, sour, or complex flavors, or just looking to enjoy classic styles and seasonal favorites, they'll have a little something for you. Idiom Brewing Company is located in downtown Frederick, just south of the intersection of East Street and East Patrick Street, with ample seating directly on Carroll Creek. All right, so way back in the past, um, you, you guys decided, all right, we want to be a beer distributor. Um, one that's probably I'm going to guess that is not an easy uh, industry to break into that there's it's such an established um, all the companies that are there have been there forever and have scooped like scooped up a lot of who's already uh, looking to distribute so well, an infrastructure what, too, right? Yeah. So, like, then the the capital outlays to to even start. So, really, what what made you guys think like we can do this better? Well, it's not even better. It's just, can we do this right? <laughs> and and uh, you know, I'll have to give a, a shout out and a lot of credit to Union. And when we started kicking around this idea, we were friends with those guys, you know, when they started and really could relate to them about growing a business and talk to them and said, what do you think? And they really believed in us and gave us the confidence that said, hey, if you go to Delaware, you'll have a brand to sell. So we kind of built it on the back of, well, we have a brand, we have these relationships with other brands that we know, we have the know-how of how distribution works. And I, I still say all the time that we give all the credit to legends because I saw legends grow from when I started there, it was four employees. And when, when I left and started, when we started our own thing, it's a, it, it's a big distributor. Legends is a big distributor yeah. and a and good so one. It's, it's the best. I mean, really yeah. the best out there. I mean, they're um, well prior to you uh, legends is the here. only, uh, distributor that's been willing to talk to me. Um, and I've never heard, I mean, there's other ones that this is true to also, but I've never heard any brewery owner complain or say something negative about legends. So it, it definitely was, that was the best, uh, training you possibly could have had. 
Exactly. And, and they, and, and people like, uh, you know, Aaron Tyler and Tershman and all these people really laid the groundwork for us and, and taught us where we would be successful. And we saw that with them and why, why is legend successful? Because they're getting, you know, the, the best brands and the sought after brands, but they're really good people. And that means a lot in business now. And I mean, it always did, but with these breweries, it, there's a lot of good beer out there, but but the relationship means a lot more than the, strictly the dollars in the business. And that's what Legends taught us. And we really, uh, you know, I've mentioned multiple times, that's really why, where we try to carry ourselves and say, we want to build this business on our relationships. And not only with just the breweries and the suppliers, but the consumers even, which, uh, you know, a lot of distributors don't pay attention to the end consumer and the the buyers. And somebody really smart always said to me, too, hey, today's bartender is tomorrow's manager. So you make friends with everybody when you're in a bar and you're sitting down and you're having drinks, tip your bartenders well, you know, hang out with them, talk to them. And before you talk to the buyer and the manager, because it's not always about this, the end sale. It's about the relationship. So what union was union your very first brand that you, that you guys carried? Uh, yes. Uh, you know, when we launched, we obviously had a, a couple other brands to launch with cause you can't just do it with yeah. one brewery, but they were the first ones to say, all right, you know, we believe in you. Let's go. If you start a distributor, we'll sign on with you. Who, who else did um, you have at first? So let's see. Uh, we kind of took all the Maryland breweries to Delaware. Uh, so it was Union, Manor Hill, Three Stars, um, uh, Better Wine. We did. Um, let's see. That's some of the. That's some of the um, only wine I like. Yeah, you know, we actually just did their the the spritzers, and and that ended up doing very well for us in the beginning oliver um was another one of the first people to say hey again we believe in you we've uh, jason who you've done plenty of uh airtime with yeah he's he, a good guy he said, uh, he said hey you guys are going to delaware let's go um so you know with those couple of relationships and brands that we had we were able to get off the ground and running uh, real, uh, let's take a side road real quick. What is the original pickle shot? <laughs> so, so, I mean, everybody knows pickles, right? Yeah. Uh, down in ocean city, those guys, uh, you know, have been doing those pickle shots forever and decided the same kind of thing as us, right? Um, let's do this thing. And we actually weren't going to pick up a liquor license. It's, it's expensive to pick up a liquor. We pay as much for a liquor license as the big guys do for a liquor license in Delaware. So for us, we really had to believe. And Sean had that relationship from, you know, being on the Eastern shore, his entire career. And, you know, he said, I think we can do this. I was like, all right, well, again, <laughs> let's go. Cause we don't really have another option. Right. Um, so, I mean, now you see it all over the place and that's a brand that's taken off too. And we kind of evolved into that where we were beer guys and 
kind of uh, with the wine license and the liquor license, found some people that we'd really like to partner with and said, hey, maybe we'll go outside the box here. Um, so I'm just looking through the on your website, the brand you have. That was the main one. I wasn't quite sure what it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we, we, we have an eclectic group of brands and we add more all the time. And even stuff like Pariah were some Maryland boys that decided to move out to California and start a brewery. And you see now the, the press that they're getting over here, they say all the time, man, you, you know, you guys are selling more beer in Maryland than we are in California. And you guys are, <laughs> we're a California brewery. What's up? <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So when you started, um, you, you said one, one warehouse, one truck, is that, is that how you kicked it off? <laughs> yeah. And it's funny. I, I tell this story often and it's, we actually just bought another truck today. Um, you know, we, we didn't know a whole lot about this stuff and we knew that refrigeration was key. Right. And that's, we knew that from legends running these reefer trucks, having a refrigerated warehouse. And that was one of the key parts of starting in Delaware. And we hang our hats on that. We tell breweries that uh, we tell our customers that, that we take care of the beer from start to finish. And we went up to buy one of these trucks and we bought it and it's this commercial vehicle. And we had to all go get these uh, physicals for our DOT license to be able to drive these trucks. And I buy it and I, and we, we get into it and, go to drive away and I can't get it in drive. And there is a reverse, a, uh, <laughs> a neutral and no drive. And I'm thinking to myself, how does this thing go? I had to walk back into the place and ask him how to get it in drive. And it was the air brakes. <laughs> so <laughs> we, we did it during the air brakes off. And that's something that we tell the people all the time that we didn't know everything about this business before we started it. But if you're willing to just take that risk and learn, and then we rolled out of that parking lot and I was so happy to grab that cord on the side and hear <laughs> that air horn as it felt like the trucker driving down the road for the first time. And, you know, those are the kind of things that we just take that risk. And in order to, to do something, you got to take a risk every once in a while and maybe it won't pan out, but it has so far. So do you have to have um, a warehouse in Maryland also, or can you operate everything out of Delaware? We do. And okay. uh, it was funny because we actually have to have two different federal licenses. And when we went, we always knew that we wanted to launch in Maryland, but when we went to do it, they said, well, you have to have a second federal license for Maryland. And we're like, wait, why? It's a federal license. It should should work for all 50 states, right? It's usually uh, what federal means. That's what federal means. <laughs> I guess except for when there's more money to be made from you. <laughs> yeah, so we applied for a second federal license uh, and then applied for our license in Maryland. And in order to do that, you have to have a second warehouse. So Sean knew some folks in Salisbury that were um, had some extra warehouse space and willing to let us lease it from them. So we got a second warehouse in Salisbury. Um, so, you know, we're, we're currently in the market for a warehouse on the Western shore too. So it'll be our third warehouse within uh, 18 months. Wow. Um, do you, do you service all of Maryland? 
we do, which people thought was kind of crazy as well. You know, going from Salisbury to Hagerstown, it's a haul. Yeah, I was going um, that that is crazy. <laughs> but something that we thought was, you know, we saw other brands roll out and stuff with with legends, and they would say, "Well, we'll go to the Eastern Shore." later and the people the big players on the eastern shore said well what we're you know we're not good enough for you in the beginning but when you need us we are and so we took a loss and said hey we'll drive all the way out to frederick and hagerstown to deliver to four accounts but we want the people out there to get the beer too and the the consumer the end consumer and the stores because there's people that care about the beer that we're selling everywhere so why say that this person isn't good enough just because it's hard for us to get there. So we really wanted to say, even if we're taking a loss driving all the way out there, we'll do it until we can figure out how to make money on it. Um, yeah, I figure, uh, I annoy a lot of people cause I often, one of my first questions to any brewery or someone posting about beer is will it be in Frederick? <laughs> Yeah, well, I think that's something that's attractive about us as well as we can cover multiple states in, in all of Maryland. And when a brewery looks at us and, you know, you say something like, can you get to Frederick? Well, some of these distributors, they only do certain counties, right? And so you have to have multiple distributors to get your beer over the whole state. And that's where legends really thrive. They said, no, we cover Maryland and DC. So that was attractive to breweries. And so right from the start, we said, Hey, even if it, it costs us money, we gotta go. So the, actually let's take, a, um, uh, one more, uh, quick sponsor break. And then want to get into your philosophy of like, what kind of the, how do you decide what breweries you're going to go after? Okay. Sounds good. There are many reasons why I have chosen District East for where I purchase beer. I love the flexibility of being able to make a custom six-pack or take home a crowler from one of the eight beers on tap. Their friendly and knowledgeable staff do an amazing job at keeping a diverse selection on hand. You can even purchase artwork from the monthly featured artist. District East is located on Northeast Street in Frederick in the same shopping center as Family Mill and Rockwell Brewery. You can find today's beer lists on the District East Facebook page or at www.districteast.beer. I'm excited to announce our newest sponsor, Vanish Farmwoods Brewery. Vanish is a brewery and entertainment complex located on a 62-acre hops and apple farm in Luckett's, Virginia, just 20 minutes from Frederick, Maryland and Leesburg, Virginia. With over 20 beers on tap, a selection of wines and ciders, along with multiple food options, there is something for everyone. Vanish has live music on Saturdays and Sundays and a wide variety of special events. Go to vanishbeer.com for information on everything they have to offer. So one thing you notice really quick looking at your um, rundown of the brands you carry is that it's it's almost like all MVPs. <laughs> um, they're all sought-after breweries or breweries that are rapidly increasing in popularity. So how, how are you deciding who you're going to go after and, um, how, how, what's your philosophy behind that? Well, I really wish I had Sean here for this because as I said before, I accredit a hundred percent of these breweries that we acquired to Sean. Um, 
but I think it's a collective mindset of how can we be different? Uh, and small breweries and taking small drops from these breweries that don't really have a lot of beer is hard. Um, they, they always say that this is a business of pennies, right? Um, well, if you have a lot of pennies from a lot of breweries, then you can make some money. But if you just have a few breweries, it's pretty hard. But as for what breweries we go after, we're consumers ourselves. And that's where we started. And we kind of think about these beers that we see all the time and the people that we interact with at festivals. And that's where Sean really came on doing these festivals and knowing and having relationships with these breweries, just tasting the beer and saying, whoa, you know, this is awesome beer. How do we get it to people? And so, you know, to answer your question, not for being so long winded, but to, to, to answer your question in short, we go try the beer and say, this is really good beer. This is who we're after. And secrets out, there's tons of craft breweries out there, but not all of them are making great beer. And so once we try it and see the breweries or talk to them, then you say, Hey, this is something that we can work with. And I think that, um, again, uh, we talk about the end consumer. I think even the end consumer has gotten behind it and said, Hey, you know, maybe we didn't know who Pariah was, but this is good beer. Thank you guys. And we get that all the time. Uh, you know, Sean runs our, our social media as well. And he constantly says to Andrew and I, man, look at these messages of people that are thanking us. And it's, it's kind of crazy sometimes to think, well, man, these people are so excited about the beers that we're bringing to these two states. And, they, you know, it's it's been fun for us. And, and we really enjoy going and finding these small breweries and talking to these small breweries and getting their beer here. So w- one thing I've been wondering is that um, some of these breweries that – used to sell every drop of alcohol through like just directly through their tap room are, are they going to start pulling back? Do you think from going into distribution once um, tap rooms are able to operate in full capacity and they can sell more from kegs instead of having to package as much or are a lot of these breweries you're getting, it just happens at at the same time, they also had bumped up production and distribution was in their plan. I mean, every brewery is different, right? Um, and especially these people that started these breweries, I think everyone can, every single one has a different personality and yeah. mindset and vision of what they wanted to do. So that's kind of a hard answer or a question to answer over a broad spectrum. But I will say that you know, this is another thing that brought, it was funny with Sean and I is he, he loves bars and he loves the on-premise and the kegs. And I loved off-premise and these package stores because you can, uh, you know, feature all of these breweries instead of just 10 or 20, however many draft lines they have. But I think through the whole pandemic, these breweries have seen that getting their beer out there um, in, in small quantities and it moving fast because they uh, care a lot, you know, they don't want anything sitting on the shelf. Yeah. Right? And that's where we have excelled is instead of giving it all to one person, we spread it out a little bit and it moves quickly. And we really monitor that. I think these breweries have 
jumped on that back in that bandwagon and said, Hey, you know what? Maybe getting some of this to everybody all around really helps our brand. And right now, you know, who's to say, and who knows what happens when there's can releases and lines and everything else again, but right now there's just not. And I even think the breweries are taking apart and saying, we really don't want all of these people you know, crowding together and everything else because it's, it's a problem. And, you know, you're seeing that with the restaurants now too, that they open back up. Now they're shutting back down. So I think the breweries are being conscious as well and saying, Hey, maybe we don't create this demand because people want their product so bad. They're willing to go and wait in lines for it, even in the middle of a pandemic. And, And somebody like Dewey even said, we're not we're not announcing our releases ahead of time anymore because we don't want people to stand in lines and want people to risk it for our beer. We'll get it to you somehow. You know, if we got to send it far out as Frederick in Baltimore and whatever in Kansas, we'll do that to get our beer to the the people who love it without having to risk their health. Yeah, it's it's a really bad look right now to do that on social media breweries that didn't stop right away were just getting blasted for um as whenever you'd see pictures of people lined up for a beer release and all huddled together no one wearing masks and so it um it, but how do they know yeah right? yeah it's not necessarily like you can't really blame them unless they just stop doing it or as and in Dewey's, really, like, not announce it. Doing. Yeah, and so I think you're seeing that with the breweries now, that they're being really conscious of what impact they have as well. And, and we see that um, as an avenue for us to help, you know, get it to people that are doing deliveries and these stores and stuff like that. And, you know, Brendan at True Respite with Beer Me. And how many things can you do to help during this and it's funny you know alcohol hey hey it it helped during all of this whether you like to say it or not (laughs) but it was essential (laughs) it was it was and that was you know being a new business something we were very concerned about um and saying you know what's gonna happen with us just like everybody else and we were deemed essential and we really took extra precautions with all of our employees um, and delivering and um, our sales reps and stuff like that. You know, it's not, even though you were deemed essential, you knew that you, you had to take the proper precautions. And in the warehouse, we even took videos of us when we were picking is everybody's in masks and gloves. And, uh, you know, we knew that we weren't, we, the end consumer again was touching all of this stuff that we did. So we had to be safe as well yeah. and take people's temperatures and wear gloves and masks and say to somebody, Hey, if, if you don't feel well, stay home. But fortunately enough for us, we never really ran into that. And I think that's because we were so precautious as well. So what was it now? Two, two, three years ago, the legal climate and the, the, battles in Annapolis kind of in the public um, definitely and I think even to some newer breweries 
put a distributor, a, the taste for distributors, a real bad taste in their mouth. Um, people were anti-distributor because it maybe some of the messaging I think may have went too far. Um, blaming the, the, the fights with the, um, general assembly. How, how have you overcome that? Cause even like looking at your list, um, I wouldn't say like they were anti distributor, but some of, some well, of the people were. on your list were very, uh, apprehensive about signing on with a distributor a couple years ago. I think that goes back to the relationships. And as we were saying to start and, you know, a lot of times we say that to people, do you trust me? And it's not, there, there's a lot of great distributors in Maryland, but you know, let's say in Texas or something, there's these big time distributors that, are bullies because they've been around forever. And I think that's where the bad name came from. But these small breweries, they were just kind of asking for their rights. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, they were saying, well, if business sucks, how do we get away from this? Um, And you can see it from both sides and being on the, uh, so much of this came from our name, right? Being the other side and the other side of this business and the other side of the bridges and everything else. It all just came keep kept coming back to the name other side and answering your question. That's kind of how we felt with these breweries and these contracts saying, Hey, you know, we, we understand where you're coming from because we wouldn't want our brand as well to be locked up forever. So, um, you know, it's hard to, take one side or the other but i can see where the breweries are coming from and i can see where the distributors are coming from and we just tried to land right in the middle and i think these breweries that were very anti-distributor could say hey we can relate to you guys you're new you're young you're trying to grow so let's take a chance did um coming from legends and the reputation that legends holds in the market help a lot too Oh, no doubt. Yeah. We use that as leverage all the time. <laughs> um, because they taught us everything we knew. And yeah. we still say that all the time. And I, I thank Aaron and Tersh and all these people, you know, Dan Bosserman, um, all these people that really helped us learn what we were doing or learned how to be successful. And, and Legends is that uh, even the Sheehan company who owns Legends is is that model right we we just want to be close to them now in the brewery realm of the industry everyone at least outwardly is close friends and helps each other how is it in the distributor realm are they are they the same helpful collaborative or is it more of a normal business where competitors compete well let's be honest, all salespeople are competitive, yeah. right? That's what makes salespeople, salespeople. So everybody's competitive. Even these breweries that, you know, say they're, they're not, they are, we're all competitive. Um, but with the distributors, I think it's just kind of a respect given. And we really did that with, you know, legends too. We, we still are very close with all of the people there from, 
operations and drivers and sales to sales reps and GMs and sales managers, we are still best friends. Those were our best friends. So I don't think, I, I think that there's room for everybody. And, you know, I knew being the new guy on this street, we were probably going to get some uh, awkward looks or just some apprehension or whatever you want to say, you know, because there's going to be the, the pie isn't getting any bigger. The pieces are just getting smaller and we knew that we were taking a piece of that, but we try to play nice in the sandbox and everybody has, when I was at legends for many, many years and all the other distributors in downtown Annapolis, everybody kind of did that same thing. They, they play nice, even though everybody's competitive, you don't want to throw sand in the other person's face. Had to, I never asked you, what, what are you drinking? Of, of all the uh, a- amazing man. beer that you have access to, what did you choose to go with? <laughs> First, let's see. Sean brought me uh, the Dewey Raspberry Peach Marshmallow. And I just cracked a Astrolab Fresh As, and I got a week away and a trite on deck, too. Nice. You know, two years in a row the it was either like the day we were brewing it or the day we were canning it or sometime in the process of making making beach drink dewey would post a instagram photo of making the exact same beer <laughs> like last year when beach drink was a strawberry lemonade beer i think it was the like while we were brewing it i was scrolling through instagram and there was a photo of them releasing the strawberry lemonade sour ale and then this year, um, it was, I think it was when we were test doing the testing to see how much lemon juice to add. I'm scrolling through and Dewey was releasing the raspberry lemonade, uh, <laughs> sour. Great minds think alike, so, right? So I told, um, I told Brendan that, uh, true respite has a mole. <laughs> <laughs> and don't do that. You don't want to get anybody fired. Yeah. Now, both are great breweries for us, though. Um, Really, even coming into Maryland, you know, we gave some shout out to Union for going into Delaware with us. True Respite coming into Maryland was big for us, as well as Dewey. Both of those guys said, hey, we never thought that we were good at distribution, but we like the idea of what you guys are doing. And so, you know, there is a few breweries that we started on and, you know, some of those names are instrumental in what we've been able to do because they have their brains, right? Without them, we're nothing. Yeah. So if we don't have their beer to sell and their beer doesn't sell in retail, then we don't exist. So we say all the time that we hang our hat on what they're doing. Yeah, because you're, you're carrying True Respite with everywhere but Montgomery and Frederick counties, right? Yeah, currently, you know, starting, we kind of pieced it off and said, hey, when we build, build with us and let's take these territories piece by piece by piece as we hire people in those territories. Okay. And in the beginning, I mean, actually still not even in the beginning, Andrew was picking and it still is, you know, we do everything. We have we in the we drove the trucks we delivered and and that was funny in delaware people would say you know hey you were here on monday and you took my order then you're here on wednesday and you're delivering the beer 
said, yeah, I'm delivering the beer. And I was up at three o'clock in the morning picking your beer for this order. So Sean, Andrew, and I really just started with us three and did everything from whatever you want to look at it, accounting, managing, picking, driving, selling, whatever it may be, us three did it all. And I think that that builds a strong structure as well, but it's, you know, we didn't just come right out of the bat and take a $5 million loan and just pay a secretary and pay people to pick the beer for the orders and drive. And I think that benefits us now because even our drivers, they'll go to a place and they'll say, Hey, you know, man, it was hard taking the kegs all the way up those stairs. We're like, yeah, I know I did it last month, six months. <laughs> so and that helps them too. say yeah. that these guys, you know, when they show up in the morning and they see us three picking all the beer and loading the trucks and everything else, they go, we can get behind this. And we believe yeah, and you're not, you're not asking them to do anything that you haven't already done and aren't, aren't still doing. Still doing. Yeah. This isn't glorious, man. We are still doing the, the shittiest jobs that you can <laughs> put on the totem pole, but they all mean something. So I'm having I I stopped by Idiom. Uh, that's not gonna focus. Oh, cause my face is there. Uh, there. there and go. today, actually, I think they're releasing it tomorrow. It was just canning it today. The phrase number nine. I recommend yeah. getting some of this. This beer is amazing. It's so good. He said he yeah, thought it was the the best version in the phrase series, and I'm I'm definitely gonna back him up on that opinion because it is super good. Mike's doing great things, man. And uh, those are the kind of people that we always stop by and talk to and, um, you know, recognize what people are doing. And, and he's definitely one of them. So do you have, um, do you have any new brands coming online that you can talk about or is uh, nothing firm enough to be able to announce? No, we have a couple here and there. And I mean, you're going to see with us all the time that we're always bringing something new. Um, that's where we have the room to grow. Um, you know, we have very few brands, so it's easy for us to take on another brand. And that's the problem with, you know, we started seeing so many breweries open, but not that many distributors opening. And how many brands can one distributor actually sell? And we were, we're very cautious of that because if you're a brand gatherer, then it doesn't mean a whole lot. And we really try to think of ourselves as these guys that seek out these, as you said, these higher tier brands and bring them to the end consumer without having to drive to California to get it or get it shipped through the mail where USPS is just going to be, hot roasting the whole time i mean we pay through the nose to get it cold shipped from california to maryland or california to delaware and uh, i think that's where you know you see the again the the end consumer be very excited about what we're doing so for new brands, we, we got a couple of uh, up-and-coming guys. We actually just launched Astrolab. Uh, I just poured that fresh as, like I was talking about. They're, um, they ma- they're we're, making we're some really good up. beer. They are. And, you know, that's funny. It's one of the questions that they asked when we were talking to. They're like, why us? And that was a simple answer. Because you're making good beer. 
Yeah, and so. for these small breweries that didn't really expect to go into distribution when a distributor comes to them, they say that, like, why? You know, is this, are you money hungry? It's like, no, you guys are just <laughs> making really good beer and we want to get it to the people that we know want it. So, so who else you got coming up? Uh, we just launched one in Delaware. Actually, uh, the first beer is going out tomorrow. Sun Lab. They're from Miami. Uh, we're pretty excited about them. Um, so, how does that happen? Like how like, how do how do you end up with a Miami brewery? Well, honestly, to- that that one was Will from Equilibrium. Okay. Uh, everybody knows Will, right? <laughs> and, and he. Uh, has been instrumental from the part, you know, equilibrium has been very good for us. And that's where we started kind of the can drops and everything else. And, um, Will believed in us too. And he's kind of put us in touch with one or two breweries that, that we've been excited about. And, uh, sun lab, you just have those conversations and, um, next thing you know, you're, you're dropping beer in Delaware. And then as soon as we get the approval process in Maryland, uh, it'll be in Maryland too, but we've, it's funny that you kind of, you know, when you launch a brand in one place and you're talking about another, the approval process in Delaware usually takes five or 10 days. The approval process in Maryland could take up to three months. Jeez. So <laughs> you'll see some breweries launch in Delaware and in Maryland, it'll take a little longer. Um, but you know, there's with us. There's always going to be some new breweries on the horizon. Just like uh, breweries, we like to keep it close to the chest and like to excite people because, yeah. and, and that's something with craft beer as well. Is all these people have, it's like a collector of gadgets or something else. Craft beer consumers are excited about new, exciting stuff. It is really hard as a consumer to fight that urge, like to just go at like, yeah, I end up even things I know I'm not going to like it'll, it'll have a pretty label. And so I want to get it. Well, that's kind of become the club, right? Yeah. It's like car collectors We're, we're, we're craft beer consumers. And it, and I like that about craft beer, how we are in the United States as well as, I mean, somebody like Dewey who takes these or Burley takes these incredible risks on pushing the limits of what beer is. And sometimes they take flack for that. But as a consumer, we go, no, we'll, we'll see it behind you and we'll try it. Yeah. And, and that's where we've become successful as a distributor is saying, no, we'll try it. Like, let's see if it works. And if it doesn't, it doesn't work. We don't do it again. That's what but I've, um, fruit- it was, a. Uh actually the last the last issue of uncapped magazine i had written a article about um gimmicks in craft beer and um attention seeking type of things and i personally have no problem with it is why not if the beer is good i don't care it make it as gimmicky as you want if it tastes good i don't care because in my mind craft beer has always been fun and it's just about fun and if i'm having fun and it tastes good i don't care what you did to get to that point right and well that's essentially besides we... like atrocities or <laughs> things yeah, that, we all, there's all yeah like that. but but like ingredient wise or more like 
like in the, one of the big examples was unicorn farts and putting glitter in beer and stuff like my kids thought the label and the beer was hilarious and that brought me joy why not and and that's what i said that you know craft beer now is pushing the limits of what beer is and and especially um marketing and labeling and names and everything like that i mean a quick example comes to mind as pariah sent out a beer called 90s kids and on the label, it had all these stuff that all of us get, you know, we were all kids in the 90s, our target demographic that's drinking these beers. And that's eye catching. And you're like, oh, this is cool. And you drink it. But the beer is good. So there's something to be said about the marketing and then the correlation to good craft beer. Oh, they're actually Pariah has a lot of really cool labels. They do. Like the Smiley. That's pretty. Smilex, it's kind yeah. of or Smilex. It's disturbing, but it's still cool. So the is Joker, right? Is that readily available, or is that not? I don't think. I don't think any of our beers are readily available. Okay. And the, and and the same thing with them. Does you any know, of the, you get, Does any of this make it into Frederick? It does. I, okay. Yeah, it does. You actually might find some Smilex at uh, District East. Uh, or Antietam, maybe out there. Well, I don't right go out now. to Hagerstown. Hey, it's not that far <laughs> drive. I make it all the time. Don't underestimate my laziness. <laughs> uh, I'm learning something new about you every day. <laughs> um, actually, no, I think I have. Oh, give me some Mo is a cool label too. <laughs> see what I mean? Like these guys are making very good beer. And see now I'm I, I'm being an idiot. Uh, craft beer consumer and i want to go get these purely based on the labels but is that considered an idiot or is that just saying I mean, my wife might is... argue that it... <laughs> well that's probably not the only thing she calls an idiot well there's like, yeah, I, that, I, that's a long list <laughs> right but it that's what i was saying about something like guys or gals with cars or collecting anything else this is what you're interested in right yeah and as long as somebody like a pariah makes uh, good beer then you can say oh you know smilex interests me like yeah. he's seeing that label and i know they make great ipas so i'm gonna buy it and thankfully so i i can also use the excuse like honey it's my job <laughs> yeah that's what i say all the time <laughs> <laughs> so one one of the things you had said before we started recording um where you, where you mentioned that you were you had uh, acquired a new truck, but it was really hard to purchase one. Um, and I, I didn't realize that that was one of those things added to the long list of things you can't buy. Um, so it's now it's, to- although I think you can get toilet paper easily now. Um, but so the list of things that were at one time, maybe not so much anymore toilet paper, uh, bikes, can't buy a bike to save your life. Um, the hand sanitizer. hand sanitizer until every uh distillery started making it and now apparently like half of them are making we're making uh hand sanitizer it's going to kill us all i keep saying there there's apparently a lot of it wasn't made cleanly and it has um is it methanol i don't know it has something in it that like is dangerous for you the third thing I've learned about you today. Yeah, so thankfully, all of the hand sanitizer I've been using, I got at McClintock, and I called him. I was like, hey, 
uh, Brayden, are you going to kill me? Or <laughs> this is, he's like, no, I saw the news too. Yours is safe. <laughs> um, and then apparently, so ref- refrigerated trucks and and i hadn't thought about that and what was you said because so many new so many things are being delivered now right instead of um people going to it yeah there's a shortage of trucks um you know deliveries i mean we all look at even amazon and stuff for those big kind of companies they were acquiring this stuff. And what brought that on is you, you talking about a cord that you wanted for your mic. And all of a sudden we were looking to grow our business and it was harder than before. And there was a shortage of trucks. Um, shipping got more expensive when you do LTL freights. There was a lot of people shipping beer, shipping food, anything cold shipping got more expensive uh, and i mean it was right from the the bottom up and so still now you're seeing businesses are growing and acquiring uh infrastructure like we talked about warehousing um trucks even the go all the way down to uh hand trucks and pallet jacks it's been harder to get so covid uh, really didn't just you know, touch the restaurants and everything else, it, it made business overall harder. And so the, not that it's gotten way out of hand expensive, but it's definitely been harder to find these refrigerated trucks. Um, District East does have uh Smilex in stock. There you go. I figured <laughs> Ken, uh, Ken has been a long, not only customer, but this is what we found in this business that they become longtime friends of ours. And, and Ken um, at District East and, and the, the guys out at Antietam and uh, um, Mara at Roast House, all of those people that were longtime friends of ours really, you know, uh, played a big part in bringing good craft beer out that way. Well, and, I think I told you Ken encouraged me to get you to come on Uncapped because you would – you have a good perspective of distribution and like he, he said that you guys are doing it the right way from every well, angle, uh, like f- and, and I mean, like for awesome the breweries and for the retail. That's awesome to hear. And, and as I said, uh, you know, <laughs> when I, when I started, uh, when, when Ken and I met each other, I'll never forget the, the guy, um, who was our general manager at legends at the time, Dan Bosserman took me into the perfect four and it's this big new fancy craft beer store. When not a lot of these existed and Ken and Tom Yates who owned it, I was 21 years old and they kind of grilled me, uh, you know, asked me about products and I was so green. I was like, this is my second day of work. I just got out of college. And uh, we got back in the car and Dan said to me, Hey, Ken and Tom really, really liked you. They want you to be their sales rep. And from that point on, wherever Ken, whatever he went to do and in different stuff, we had always been friends. And the same thing with Tom Yates. He's, you know, sold the perfect four to uh, some, uh, a guy named Barry, who still does great for us and, and went and opened another store. And those relationships are funny to look back on now and say, man, <laughs> You know, I was 21 years old, just got out of college. I didn't know anything. Like, <laughs> thank you guys. Thank you for 
you know, stick it with me then. And that's the kind of thing with, with Ken now that I say, you know, I appreciated all your help back then. I'm going to make sure that I do you right now. Um, so back to how COVID-19 has affected things. Um, I cut you short from telling me this cause I said it sounded like it was going to be interesting and we should do it while recording. Um, you started to say how COVID has affected the supply chain of beer also in some aspect and has given you a market advantage in certain ways. Um, can you explain that a little more? Well, in, you know, some advantages, some disadvantages. So, you know, one of the advantages would be that we carry a lot of local beer and the supply chain has been hard and a lot of beer has been selling out very quickly. So the, the local advantage that we have is we can get fresh beer quickly and get it to the stores. If you look at um, the dates on some of these cans that you buy, sometimes you'll go to the store and you'll pick up a can. We'll just keep using district East, for example. And that was canned three days ago in New York. And it's like, oh, wow, you know, this beer is getting here quickly. Um, but some of the disadvantages is some of these small breweries that we were after all are selling more beer locally now. So, you know, there was advantages and disadvantages to it, but then, going to an even greater or looking beyond the local market, you look at stuff like that was imported from Germany or Mexico or wherever that just stopped for a little while. So it created a hiccup in the chain. And when these stores were getting, there's no bars open. People are home all the time. Let's be honest. A lot of people were drinking all the time. It was like a, a month long vacation. So these stores were getting selling out of alcohol and selling out of beer so fast that you can't get Modelo now because they're not letting anything from Mexico come into the United States. So all of a sudden I have this cooler space in a store and maybe we wouldn't have taken a chance on you guys before, but now I have this space. Now you're a new distributor. So why not put it in there? And then they had seen that, maybe giving craft beer more space, something they make a higher margin on, make more money on more of a presence might be a good business model for us. So some of these stores that really bought into stacking it high, watching it fly with 30 packs. So, Hey, you know, maybe we want to put some local craft beer on here and these guys are who we want to get behind in the local market. Once the consumer wants to get behind these local breweries, we just never gave it a chance. So that's where, you know, when you and I were talking, we said that, you know, maybe, maybe this helped us a little bit. I mean, it makes sense. Um, I was actually surprised when I learned that even the national brands were up, at least in Maryland. I don't know the rest of the country. Um, but and at least for obviously package sales, they were taking a hit on um, draft. Um, but it's like there is a lot of beer in cans being sold or in bottles too. Well, I mean, people are um, people are just drinking, even if you're just home all day. And it's funny talking about you know a job that you were in an office all day, and then all of a sudden you get to work from home. And you're a craft beer enthusiast. Yeah. Well, 
two o'clock comes around and you got this cool beer in your refrigerator. It's like, Hey, I can do a zoom call and have a beer too. Yeah. Or at work, <laughs> you know, you couldn't really do that. So the consumption rate just went up. Yeah. It all, I'm, I mean, from so many aspects, it's going to be interesting to see how things like what course things go in once we slowly drift back into, or I mean, I guess some people are predicting we'll never go back to the way we were. There's no sense in predicting it because it's going to change. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't even think anyone could predict what's going to happen next week, let alone (laughs) like (laughs) next January. (laughs) Oh, well, and that was something with us too. You know, we weren't big. We really didn't carry a whole lot of inventory. We're so new that we just really didn't have this, you know, massive inventory that we had to move really quickly. So even now we're not sitting on old product, everything from us, you look at it and you like, you know, people now craft beer consumers check dates. Right. And they're still looking at the dates of the stuff that come in the kegs and the cases and the cans of whatever it is. And it's like, man, you know, this beer is only a week old. Whereas some other people were stuck with beer and kegs, you know, if you're looking at a, a, a big time distributor that has to order for two months and then all of a sudden all of the bars stopped, what do you do? And we were stuck with that problem too, but we were able because we're small to pivot very quickly. And, and we kind of, again, hang our hat on that now that we have fresh beer. Which I mean, is almost, I mean, I guess probably next to selection or I, I mean, I, there's probably isn't even a one and two, like those two just go hand in hand, like the offerings yeah. and is it fresh? Is it fresh? And, and that's where we've been able to um, separate ourselves as well as with the cold storage and the cold shipping and not stacking 50 cases. Our idea is get that beer in and sell it out because the breweries that we're dealing with make new beer every week. So there'll always be something new and there'll always be something interesting. And again, we approached our business as what would we want as consumers? And we're, again, we go right back to, we're just craft beer enthusiasts and consumers. So what do we want to see on the streets? Don't buy 30 cases, just buy two and we'll have something else for you next week. That's gotta be, a completely different way of thinking for a distributor, right? Well, and it, um, and some of the big stores and buyers too, they want to gobble it up, right? And yeah. then they that's that's one of our downfalls is they say, Well, we want 30 and you give us two. It's like, don't don't worry. There'll, there'll be, be more next week. Next week. Yeah, there'll be two different ones and they'll sell right out and you'll make way more money than you will on a 30 pack of whatever it is. Yeah. And so some of these stores that kind of had a different mentality before have been buying, well, not buying into it, but seeing where we're coming from and saying, hey, you know, maybe that's not a bad idea to sell out because you'll just have a new brewery or a new beer from that brewery each week. Yeah, I guess I'd never thought of it from the standpoint that for the longest time, everything was really done in volume, not like when it came from distribution and retail like it's been several years from breweries that like small breweries small batches things change week to week but that 
in distribution and retail that's getting in 30 cases of flying dog or uh, however many cases of Budweiser they get a week um, that had to have been a hard switch to make to going to the being happy about only getting two cases of something that you know someone wants really bad. And, and, and that's hard for us too. We catch flack from it from, from our customers is, well, we want more. Why can't you provide that? And it's like, because it doesn't the exist. Breweries, <laughs> yeah. The breweries that we're dealing with, they can't make that much. So, but that also is a reason that people want it. Right. Yeah. Gives that the FOMO of the, of it. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's not that it's, we just don't really, you, you, every craft beer consumer has seen the difference between, a, let's take IPAs, for example, one that is fresh and, you know, some are good within two days, some two weeks get better or whatever. But then you drink one that's a year old at a bar that's had it forever and you go, oh man, like, this does not taste very good. This <laughs> is not what I want to be drinking. Have you ever seen the, um, I guess it's like a, beer brand company permanent hangover no so they just said they sell like just different beer themed merch kind of and they have one of the things they sell is a beer koozie that says your mom drinks old ipas (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean um, everybody that's again the consumer knows that and that's why brewers put dates on their beer because if a if a cons- end consumer picks it up and they drink it and it's horrible and then they look at the date and see that it's a year old, they go, it's not our fault. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like uh, this beer was good when we brewed it and it just may not taste as good a year later. So, and- so going back to like the limited supply and um, so you've mentioned you catch flack from the stores about only getting so much, but are consumers becoming more understanding about that or still just always angry if they don't get something? I don't know. There's always going to be something. Yeah. Like Cause that, I, right? like one thing I always think about is saints row and I made a, um, a beer together called super hype bros where the artwork was Tony and I as the, as super Mario brothers. And he made this glass, this yeah. <laughs> glassware was made and I mean, we never thought people would want glasses like with the two of us as Mario and Luigi. So we only had like, I think it was 70 of them made and they sold out in a couple of minutes. And then people were pissed. Like the amount of angry messages that he received because they weren't able to get one was crazy. And so you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? Because yeah. Because if you buy a thousand of them, yeah, and then no one wants them. Seventy <laughs> people buy them, then you're stuck with all these glasses, and it looks like my cabinet where my wife goes. If you bring home another glass, I am going to throw you out of the house. Yeah, I, I hear that a lot too. You, I mean, you uh, can is, that in with, with, with that entire beer, bookshelf back there is. <laughs> I see. <laughs> I see you. And that, and Ooh. that's also uh, that bar right Some there whiskey. underneath. That is all glassware. <laughs> oh, and my well, office it, at work is filled with glassware. 
that's I mean the same thing and and you know again going back to we're all consumers and we want to be happy and have fun with all this beer but it's still a business so we can't buy and going back to the fresh dates if we buy 500 cases of something and then only 200 sell and then it takes us three months to sell the other 300 then you're putting old beer out there and people aren't excited about it and it's not a good business move so with us it's the same thing it damn if you do damn if you don't and if you buy too much then you suck for having old beer and if you buy too little you suck because not everybody could get the beer yeah. <laughs> so i mean it's a it's a it's a dance every time that you buy this beer. But what we do is conservatively go on the lighter side. So then there's not old beer out in the market. I feel like, um, because the drops have become more regularly made that maybe that eases it a little bit. Cause you know, if you missed out on it this week, most likely next week, there's going to be, another batch of it and you can try again yeah with some breweries like i said before you you know every brewery is different now you look at dewey and they're just selling so much beer at the beach that there is just less yeah. beer to go out into distribution so now that becomes highly uh valuable whereas in the winter nobody's going to the beach yeah. and they have beer and it may be every week so with all of these breweries it doesn't matter which one it is it changes weekly i don't i don't care if it's dewey or equilibrium or true respite or whatever it's always a different story and that's where we try to kind of find a happy medium of eclectic breweries that we can get from all over the place to keep again the end consumer happy so if there was one, like your unicorn brand that you would love to have, um, who is it? Uh, I mean, I'll answer that the same way that people always say, what's your favorite beer? And it's like, I don't know. What day is it? You wake <laughs> up and, and, and it's funny because you try these beers and people will try it one time. Then it'll come out six months later and they'll say, well, it's not the same. Yeah. When they're definitely wrong. Well, maybe maybe it was taken care of differently. Maybe, no, they're wrong. Uh, they're, <laughs> but uh, every you know. and I always use Nugget Nectar as the example. <laughs> That's a good one. Nugget Nectar is exactly the same every year, <laughs> yep. and people without fail will say how different it is. I've interviewed the Trogner brothers. They went into detail how meticulous they are about making sure beers like that taste the same from year to year <laughs> and, and so and yeah and, and that's what's funny that you say that these breweries follow like they are the a brewer and i, I say to people all the time too I, I tried brewing a little bit. I was horrible at it because i'm more of a griller i'm not a baker and these brewers they're bakers. They're exact every time they measure it, the temperature and all this stuff. And, and our taste buds change. So when you ask me like, what's my favorite brewery or what's my favorite beer, what brewery do you want? There's a lot that has to do with ambiance and where you are and what it tastes like. And I try all these different beers and one day, one beer is my favorite. The next day I find something else and I go, wow, this is blowing my mind. This is my favorite. So it's hard to say, you know, if you wanted to say something like, 
I don't know, a Russian river or something like that, who's been these OG kind of people. There's a difference between what the consumer wants and what I want and what you make. As I don't know. Kid. I think if you scored Russian River, you would sell plenty of it in Maryland. <laughs> sure. I mean, that's fine. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, absolutely. No doubt that you would sell a lot of it. But again, is that is that the end goal? I mean, if I was able to drive to District East and buy a bottle of Pliny, I'd call that pretty close to the end goal. Right, but your <laughs> but your question was, what is your unicorn yeah. brewery to land, and is that the end goal to make a bunch of money, or is it to be a brewery that I'm really excited about that might just be as cool as the brewery down yeah. the street from my house? Yeah. That's so a- you know, like some of the, the the answer to the question is. That you never, and that's what's exciting about graphic. Yeah. You never know what the next day is going to, the, what rock's going to be unturned. Like, so the, so the answer is the brewery you're excited about that day. That day. And I mean, you know, with the, the same thing, like all these people that we acquire are our friends. And I think that's what it goes back to in the beginning, that that's what excites me, that all of these people I'm you know we're cool with and we want to hang out with and have a beer with and the secrets out they're all making good beer yeah it, there's so much good beer <laughs> all right well i don't want to keep you any long we've been chatting for quite just looked up at the time and didn't realize know, how long get me rolling. How, how long <laughs> how long uh we've been talking but i think uh maybe a year from now we should catch up again to see where i i think it'll be interesting to see how many brands at that point you're carrying and where where you've made it to at this point because i had forgotten just how actually i think in my mind it was just i didn't become aware of other side until it had been around for a while but i guess i pretty much became aware of other side when it was formed and opened <laughs> well six months isn't a whole lot of yeah. time <laughs> so i knew i knew you were new but i i assumed that you had been around at least a little while longer and it took me longer to like become aware of other side but i i feel better that i i, I must um be doing enough good enough job of keeping track of things well hey man we appreciate it and you know there's not many distributors out there that have kind of tried to brand themselves and the the distributors always kind of play the background role where we have tried to come to uh branding ourselves as well and you'll see like our our logos and sean made some t-shirts and all that kind of stuff so we're kind of trying to be something different and bring ourselves to the the forefront of things and not just be in the background all the time I mean, it's a, it, it's smart. I mean, if being a brand in of yourself helps you be known to sell the brands that you're selling. It helps other brands. Yeah. It helps these unknown brands that may not have been discovered in Maryland before. But again, Pariah is a perfect example. We have helped them gain their notoriety in Maryland. So. It'll be cool to see. I, I hope to do this again with you in a year and see what's what's come of it. All right, well, once again, thank you so much for your time. And uh, I want to thank everyone for watching and listening. Cheers. Thanks, guys. I'll chat at you soon. Uncapped is brought to you with support from McClintock Distilling, Maryland's first and only organic certified distillery.
They are well known for their award-winning gin and are rapidly growing a name for themselves for their matchstick bourbon and bootjack rye whiskey that have both won double gold at international spirits competitions. You can visit them in historic downtown Frederick along Carroll Creek for tours and tastings. Go to mcclintockdistilling.com for more information. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook. And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh my God, that's good.